Apple, uh, those who are visiting, it's great to have you here today. I actually did get to see uh, Nev and Sue on Friday night and they are looking very well. They look like people that are having an awesome holiday and uh, Nev is very happy um, there. We just saw them as they were heading up to the airport. So that's really cool. They're having a great time. Um, but yes, I am preaching today and I am continuing on not as part of the series. Who's been loving Nick's preaching in the series? She's good. I write all those messages for her and then she... <laughs> that's not the truth. I actually... Uh, that's the other way around. But um, it's, been, it's been awesome. And the series is We Can Be Heroes. And Nikki's been anchoring it in the book of Judges and just looking at how God uses all sorts of people, amazing callings on people's lives and all the brokenness and weaknesses and all the different stuff uh, to do stuff for God's kingdom. And um, that's been encouraging for us. Second Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 9 has kind of been the inspiring verse that we're not just saved, but we're called. You know, God didn't come into our life just to save us, but He also saved us, but He also called us. There's, there's something particular about us, unique, God-given. And I know the people in this room. I know you. Man, I know this room is full of people who are called to big things. And um, Laurie was amazing last week. Who loved Laurie last week? That guy, we are blessed to have Laurie preaching uh, in our church, that God uses our weakness to make himself look strong, and uh, he's done it all for us. And um, today, I am unashamedly, and I am just going to stir up the calling on your life. I am just unashamedly going to speak to the bigness within you. I'm, that's just what I'm doing today. I'm just going to encourage you in that today. Is that cool? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that today we would all leave with just a sense of courage on the inside of us, God, that we're not just saved, but we are called, God. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for each and every single person here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I have a confession just to make right off the start. I'm one of those people that gets distracted quite easily. Um, is there anyone else in this room that is prone to distraction? Okay, a common thing if you're in, it was like pretty much majority men and then. <laughs> in my house, if I, you know, Nikki asks, oh, can you please go get a cup of tea? I'm off to get a cup of tea. And then, you know, next minute I'm outside mowing the lawn. And then I'm like going past the room. She's like looking at me like, where's the cuppa? Okay, it's, it's pretty common in my house to, to hear, Paul, what are you doing? Like... <laughs> You, you know, you go, you get sent on this task to do one thing, go get the milk for the cup of tea, and then, you know, you like quickly grab the bread and the two avos, and oh, just grab the cheese, and then, oh, this, I need a basket quickly. You go get the basket and come home with seven bags. Is anyone else? <laughs> and you forget the milk. <laughs> I, I'm prone to, to distraction, and... Um, this, this uh, actually happened one other time when Nikki, she commissioned me, she gave me this job to build this shelving unit uh, at home. We've got this big you know, blank wall and we're like, we need shelves, can you build a shelf? And I've got all these tools and I thought, yes, this is awesome, I can do it, I can use my tools. And so I get on Pinterest, I get inspired, I, I find out. I'm going to do this floating shelf. It's going to be awesome. And I get, man, I like fully get into it. I like draw up this detailed plan. I'm so pumped for it. And so I go down to the building shop to get some wood. And then I look at the wood and I look at the price of the wood. 
and I look at the price and I look at my plan. I look at the price and I go, wow, okay, this is going to take a commitment. This is like, this is, yeah, if I'm going to build this, this is committed. So I better, I better just like, one might think about it just for a week. I might just like, you know, think about it. So I gave it a week just to think about it. Um, and, you know, I'd walk past that wall and I'd look at it and then go back down to the, the wood shop again, have a look at the wood again and go, oh, it really is, you know, like, because you want the nice quality. It's a feature. It's going to be a feature shelf. And um, anyway, one week turned into two and I kept looking at it and I looked at my design and, you know, as I, the longer I left it, I then just began to doubt my design and doubt, you know, also my ability. I thought, oh, it's probably not even going to work. It'll probably just fall off. Like, and I don't think I can even do that. Like, I've got tools, but my tools aren't that, I, I can't do that. And so as I left it and I procrastinated, uh, my enthusiasm for that task waned. Now, some people might have already heard this story because today I am preaching a message. I have already preached to Billy. And when I did uh, share the story the first time, unfortunately, I hadn't built it. But I have good news. Today, the shelf is built. And it looks good. I still haven't quite screwed it in, actually. It's, it's really floating. Cool. I've titled my message today, The Calling Remains. And uh, just speaking in, you know, at times we get distracted even in the things that God calls in our life. You know, we get distracted, but hey, I don't know about you, but God just continually speaks to the big man inside of me. He continually just speaks to that calling in my life. You know, I can feel like there's failures and blunders and, and get distracted, but he continues to speak to me and that calling that's on my life. So we're going to start in John chapter 21. If you're in your Bibles and you're following John chapter 21. And uh, we're going to read from verse 1. So this is going to be like post-death and resurrection. Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and this is during that time where he's appearing to his disciples. Okay, so verse 1 says that after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, and the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, that's his friends, boys, I'm going fishing. They said to him, yeah, we'll go with you. So they, got, they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now the first thing that we have to ask these guys is, what are you doing going out, going fishing. Now, I understand that there's a group of men that will forsake everything to go and chase those slimy little creatures. I am definitely not one of those people. I couldn't think of anything worse to do with my life. But that if people love fishing, and these guys have gone fishing. But, but you've got to ask, why are, they, why are they here going fishing? Because these guys had been commissioned with one of the greatest tasks, one of the most important things. These guys had been sent by the Son of God, to go and save the world. And, and now, for some reason, that somewhere, somehow, somewhere along the road, they've gone back to doing the thing that they were doing before their world was completely transformed, before this Jesus came into their life. You know, th think of all the stuff that they've experienced and witnessed and seen and the intimate moments that they've had with Jesus. And, and, and he's spoken into them and he's, you know, hey, this is what your life is about. And, and now we find after everything, they've, they've gone back to that thing, I'm just going to go fishing. You know, and the funny thing is that 
obviously, why do men go fishing? Maybe for food, but also, you know, there's that satisfaction, looking for satisfaction, looking for something to fulfill. And, and sadly, these guys have come home with an empty net. And so what they thought would bring them satisfaction, it says that they caught nothing. You know, but when I, I look at this story and I can see that there's a setup going on. There's a setup right here happening and there's some divine, some divine man is about to step on to the scene and to launch this group of guys, this distracted blokes, <laughs> back into their destiny. And so they've been fishing all night and they've caught nothing. Can we come to verse 4? And it says that just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Now, the disciples have got no idea that it's Jesus. They're, they're about, you know, it's like 100 meters offshore. It's, it's early morning. It's probably misty. It's hard to see. They've got, they got no idea that it's Jesus. And they just hear these words come out of the mist. Children, do you have any fish? Now, who knows when um, God asks a question, he doesn't really need an answer. <laughs> when God's asking a question, he already knows the answer. It's like when you go to um, Genesis chapter 3 and you look at Adam and Eve, when God asks, Adam, where are you? God wasn't having GPS issues and going, where did I put Adam? I can't find him. When God is asking a question, he is asking the questioner to question themselves. To ask themselves, he needed to ask, Adam needed to ask himself, where am I? How have I gotten so far away from God? Okay, so when God's asking a question, he is asking the person to self-evaluate. Check yourself, what is going on? And so we've got here what seems like a really simple question. Children, do you have any fish? But Jesus is actually asking a question that's very pointed. He's coming with a question that, that he's, he's not like trying to insult them for being crappy fishermen, but, but he's trying to actually fish something out of them to launch them into their destiny. And, you know, this moment that we've got here and we read, there's actually there's a, there's a history behind it. That, that we've come to a moment and it seems just like a normal question, but there's an event and, and there's story behind that's preceded it that, that just gives it so much more depth and so much more weight to what's going on here. And so I just want to stop and I want to go back and have a look at, at what that was, what that event and what those moments were um, that, that just give this something so much more. You see, there was an encounter previously that these guys had with Jesus, where what it meant to catch fish was completely redefined, okay, catching fish, it was like, you know when you were in high school and you and your friend, you've, you've, there's some, some reason, there's one word and, and there's a whole context behind this one word and, and if someone says it, you just crack up laughing, you just lose it, like if the teacher happened to say peanut, you go, ah, and you're like, why, are you, why is peanut so funny? But because you and your best friend, you've got this whole story that's connected behind peanut and it's funny. Has anyone else know that experience? Yes. Okay. It's like the inside joke. It's the everyone knows it. 
And, and that whole thing of catching fish, it's kind of like between Jesus and the disciples, there's this other meaning to catching fish. And so we're going to go look at this encounter. And uh, it is in Luke chapter 5, for those who are following along in the Bible. Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 1. And it says that one day as Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me. Lord, I am a sinful man. That moment was so radical that Jesus just became definitely not an ordinary man. Peter encountered Jesus like, okay, you are just not some ordinary man. That, whatever happened, to say, no, 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 that's not just an ordinary man, that's a God man, that's God wrapped up in flesh. This is, and he got to see himself, his old man. I'm a sinful, like, it, it freaked him out. He had that encounter, that moment, and it, hey, I think at some point in our life, we've all had that moment where we go, Jesus isn't just no ordinary man. He is like a God man. He is the God man. And when you see the God man, it's like a mirror, and you look back, and you, it, you see you, and you go, oh, I am a sinful man. He and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, all of them. And then Jesus... He said to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And and when Peter's freaked out because he's seen himself, he sees his own brokenness in this moment when he encounters Jesus. But how good is Jesus? He still just says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I've seen the brokenness. I know how sinful you are. I know, I know, I know. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't run away from me. Not only don't run away from me, but come, I'm going to show you what you're actually called to. Not just catching these fish, but actually catching people. And in that moment, like Peter and these guys' life, I mean, their friends, it's just Jesus completely redefines what their life is about. I mean, the purpose of their life up until that point had just been about fishing just been about probably providing for their family, you know, just doing, the, the, doing it and doing it well. You know, that is what they had known. And then this encounter and Jesus steps into their life and says, there's something bigger in you. And I'm calling you to fish, not just for fish now, I'm calling you to fish for people. You know, when Jesus speaks to us, he always speaks to that big man inside of us. 
He always speaks to the destiny within us. You know, I know for sure I'll be the first to put my hand up and say I've made some blunders, some mistakes along the way. But I've never found that Jesus, like, comes back down and talks to me down here. But he always talks to me and always keeps giving me vision and always keeps encouraging me and always keeps saying, you can do it, always bringing people into my world. And he always speaks to me to that destiny within my life. Every single time. He doesn't look and see all the mistakes that I see. He looks and sees the man that he's like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah, get it. You're a sinful, broken man. But hey, come on. There's bigness within you. And all of them, they have this, this encounter, this radical encounter with Jesus. And they decide to leave everything. They, they, they leave it all behind and they go, you know what? Let's go. Let's go on this adventure. And, and I, I love that. I love that these young guys, they, they, they just, that sense of adventure and excitement that, wow, Jesus, we just pulled in so much fish. This is awesome. Jesus showed up in their life. And isn't that awesome? I love young people. And there's something within young people that we want to live for something big. They want to live for something that's just too big. It's just awesome. You know, young people, when you're young, you're you're crazy enough to think, I can actually change the world. You really believe it. You're like, you're full on when you're young, aren't you? Come on. Our youth group is the best youth group ever. These girls, you will not believe what's going to happen in youth group next five years. Seriously, get ready. It's good. But when you're young, you know, there's just something about that, that spirit, that daring, adventurous spirit that you have. Some people call it stupidity, <laughs> unwise. But hey, I think it's awesome and it's God-given and it's something God puts in us. You know, I remember when I was, those first early years or year or whatever were first when Jesus was like, came into my world again, you know, as a 19-year-old and Man, just the, the, the time that I would spend, there was no place I wanted to be on a Friday night more than in my room with my Bible, with my journal, with my worship, old daggy worship CDs and, and just hanging out with Jesus and drawing and writing and, and, and spending time with Him. It was just my passion. It was something that I just absolutely loved to do. You know, there was, I remember when I was young, this one thing that I did one time and I was just riding home from work, and I don't know why, just riding home, I don't always do this, but I was just praying in tongues, just cruising home, and as I was praying in tongues, there was just something stirred up, like something just stirred up in me, and for some reason, I just had this sense and this urge to just ride as fast as I could, and so I'm like pedaling as fast as I could, and I'm praying in tongues, like I'm just like, (laughs) it's happening. And then this, this thing just dropped, this prayer just comes, Mullum, the blood of Jesus washes you clean. And I'm riding along, just riding from IGA to um, Morrison Avenue, if you know where it is, not far, but Mullum, the blood of Jesus washes you clean. And I just, I, I just rode straight past my house. And this, this thing just, Mullum, the blood of Jesus. That night, I rode around the whole entire perimeter of Mullum Bimby, around the CBD area, with just as fast as I could, like non-stop. I don't know why, but it was just this passion that, yes, Mullum, your blood of Jesus washed. And it was just like, yeah. You know that passion when you're just young, 
when you've done your DTS and you've been in Bangladesh for 10 weeks and you come home and you think, I'm going to move there. I'm going to live there. That's what I did. I had a visa. I was going to move to Bangladesh. Because you, praise the Lord. Because you want to go and change the world. You want to go and save the world. There's passion within you. You know, I just think it's awesome. that That's what God does. He comes and he grabs a handful of, of young, passionate, you know, gets, grabs young dudes. You know, and the, what is that? The, why does he come and grab? He doesn't go to the temple and find the, the you know, those with a few more years. And absolutely... There's no offense here being meant for those who have got more years on me because exactly just wait, wait for the next point. Your age does not affect the youthfulness of your spirit. Come on. Amen. Is that good? I'll tell you why. You want to see? Daryl Val right there. Come on. Pretty much the most passionate, pumped up people. They've got a few more years on me. Where's my dad up the back? There he is. Hey, he is just growing younger, all right? It's just like there's something about, hey, it doesn't matter how many years you've got. It's the youthfulness in your spirit. And it really is a magnet for God in your life. And so these young guys, here they go. They follow Jesus. And what an adventure. Can you imagine these three years of their life? The most incredible things that they have witnessed, people raised from the dead, people with blind eyes completely opened and healed, you know, feeding, handing out five loaves of bread and two fish to 5,000 people, just stuff that they experienced on the way, they would have felt completely unqualified, unable, just out of the, out of their zone, like, this Jesus is awesome, you know, and, and they got to have this time with Jesus in their life. How could you ever be the same after that time? You know, but where we read tonight in our story, it, it seems that, that some of that excitement and some of that advent for, adventure for, for following Jesus has, has been lost or it's at least it's waning somewhere. You know, that, that idea of, hey, fishing for people seems it's just easier maybe to fish for fish because that's more comfortable and that's, you know, what I've, I've just find a lot easier. You know, with, with, with Jesus not quite here, things are different. The pressures are on a little bit more. It's a little bit harder now that it might just be easier just to go back and fish for fish. And so we come to this moment now where Jesus is on the beach and he's calling out this question and we've got all this history behind us. Okay, we've got this history and we've got that event that's happened of this miracle catch. And so Jesus is on the beach and he says, children, have you got any fish and they can't see him they can't see him but this is where I think that as as he asks that question the memory bank starts to roll back in a little bit and 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 that they, they they start to think hmm you know that moment someone else kind of like this sounds like it's it's teeing up to something similar you know and so they reply with a no Would have been a no. Oh, I don't know what they said, <laughs> but something. I, you know, I, I, I just got this sense that 
as this question came and they reply with a no that that maybe at the same time they're looking at of what they're doing, that what they look at their night's events and they're starting to kind of connect the dot that maybe is that um, who we think it might be and, and, and what are we doing actually out here on this boat? We've gotten off track a bit. And what, what happened? Why are we out here? And, you know, I think I, I know why or how we can tell that they start to are thinking that this is Jesus because the way they respond to what Jesus says next Jesus, as he hears their no, he just calls out, we'll cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Ridiculous. That's the worst idea ever. (laughs) I mean, what fisherman in his right mind who's been out fishing all night is like, yeah, beaut idea, let's do it again just because some dude we can't see is over there. For some reason, and I think it's because that these guys in their minds, they're cluing on. I think I know who that is. And I think I'm smart enough. I think I'm, I've got enough wisdom even in my youth to realize and to know, you know what? The best thing I can ever do is obey that voice. If that really is who I think it is, you know what? The best thing to do, and maybe I need in my life just to even test it out. Maybe I'm going to be brave enough and make myself look, I could look like a fool. But hey, I've learned within my life that when I trust that voice, man, when he, whatever he said, he actually means it. And he's going to follow through. And, and so I, I, I think that we know that this is, they know that this is Jesus because in verse 6, it says that they cast out the net. They willingly obey. They willingly go through the effort to potentially look like fools, but hey, I think they know who this is. And they cast out the net. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. And at this point so far, no one's been game enough to actually verbalize it and say it's Jesus. (laughs) But it's one of those situations where I bet it's kind of like everyone's thinking it and you're just waiting for someone to say it. And then as soon as someone says it, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. You know that moment? (laughs) It's like no one said it, but they're kind of going, we're off track. So maybe it was a little bit uh, to confess it. But then John, John goes over to Peter. It's the Lord. (laughs) Peter's like, dude, look at all the fish. I think it's the Lord. And Simon Peter, it's like permission. He just gets this permission when he heard that it was the Lord. In verse 7, it says that he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. He threw himself in and he went to Jesus. He went running to Jesus because I tell you why, man, I just think that Jesus wanted that Jesus life. He wanted that life, that, that, that's that calling of God on his life. He wanted to connect with that Jesus. He wanted Jesus so badly. And, and you know, I think fishing, after another night of failed fishing, it's like this is not what I'm called to. 
you know, but, but there's something bigger within me that I want to live for. There's something bigger that I want to get out of this place of comfort. And, you know, I, you might feel a little bit like that today. You might feel a little bit like Peter, like you're kind of sick of being in the boat, the comfort boat, and, and, and it's just not quite. You know, you want that Jesus life. You want that big called life or just that sense of you know you're walking in your calling. You're walking in that, that thing that God's called you to do. You know, there is come a point where you're just going to have to actually jump out of the boat and run over to Jesus. You know, we can have all sorts of um, discouragements or things like holding us back from getting out of our comfort zone and, and going back to those maybe early dreams and visions and, and, and things that we had. We can have all sorts of different stuff that can hold us back or make us feel disqualified. But, you know, if we stop and we look at the Scripture and we think about this for a moment, if there was anybody who felt disqualified from the call of God on their life is Peter. It is Peter. When Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, on you I will build my church. And then all the stuff, you know, Peter was, he was, he was in the inner core, man. He was like, he was one of the homies. He was there for the staff. He saw it all. He would have had the, the words. People would have looked up to Peter. Peter was the dude who walked on water. Man, he would have been, people would have been like, whoa, it's Peter, it's Peter. And, and Peter, he was the one who was like, Jesus, I, I will put my life on the line. I will do it all. Peter, man, he, expectation probably on his life, you know, to, to what he would do. And then Peter famously, in the moment when, Jesus needed him more than any time. I mean, when, when Jesus needed a mate to stand up for him and to have his back and to be there, that's what mates do. You get in there, that's what you do in that moment. And in that moment, Peter, coward, and if everything, he's a public, people would know Peter, but he's denied Jesus three times. I mean, what... If there was somebody that felt disqualified from the call of God on their life or being used by God or, you know, God wanting having anything to do with him or, you know, God being there to provide or God that, you know, all that sort of stuff, it was Peter. You know, and we might have all sorts of different, we get discouragement from all different sorts of places in our life. You know, we can feel sometimes that maybe it's our age that disqualifies us. We can feel like maybe, hey, I'm too young. People aren't going to listen to me. As if I can like go out there, they're not going to respect me because I'm too young. They think, but there's something within you that you just sense there's this calling on your life. I'm called to do it and I want to do it. I love it. You know, we can feel like our ability sometimes is just not quite good enough. We've got this passion on the inside of us and this thing that we want to do, but we look around, we go, I'm, I can do it. I know I'm really good at it, but I look, it's like, you might love surfing, but then you look at Kelly Slater. Yeah, there's probably always going to be someone better than you. <laughs> there's always going to be just, you know, and we can, we can think our ability and we get into that comparison measuring game and we just forever sit not doing anything because of that. Or maybe we have, we have tried before and we've hit a road bump and we've failed or, you know, something's happened. Maybe disappointment, you know, again, trying and we've just had disappointment. Or you've, we've tried stuff and it's just resisted. 
You know, I tried to, to be a part of that. I tried to get things going. I tried to move out of that and into this. And it's just hard and difficult. You know, we have fears and insecurities. And we feel like, I have to get my fear and insecurity and all, all these sort of... And, and just forever, like, I'm not going to be able to do it because I've just got my fears and insecurities to deal with. You know, maybe it's things that people have said about you or things that you've done or, or your dreams or the things that you feel called to. You know, but I just feel that today, that Jesus is just standing on the shore of our lives and he's just calling out to us as a church and to us individually and saying, have you got any fish? Not real fish, <laughs> but are you walking in the calling? You know, are you walking in those dreams and the things that have spoken over your life? Do you remember? Do you remember the things that I've spoken to you? Do you remember uh, those things? You know, do you remember who I actually am and what I'm capable of? Have you forgotten? Have you drifted away from it? I, I, are you where you're meant to be right now? And I just want to say this morning that if you're not, if you know you're not, you know you've run, you know you're just hiding out in the boat, I just want to say it's, it's okay. You are not disqualified from the mission. And your calling is not forfeited. The call of God on your life is not forfeited. Because that guy that stood on the beach this second time is the same guy who was standing on that beach the very first time when he called. And this Jesus does not change. He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. He is the same forever. Friends, that voice that called you into salvation that beautiful, gentle, amazing, you know, that brought you to the place of relationship with you. It's not like he gets you in and then he changes and gets grumpy. He is just continually calling you and calling you. And you might feel, oh, but I've just want all my feet and disappear. He's on the beach again. Here's another go. Come on. Hey, he's calling because he always speaks to who he sees within us. He always talks to that person within us. You know, that call on our life, it just always remains. You know, in this room, I see people, I see you better than you see yourself. One of my passions is just to draw out of people, encourage people and just tell them how awesome they are. You know, and I meet people a lot of the time that, you know, they just, yeah, 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 yeah. And I just think, oh, just like, this is what I see within you. And that's just me. Imagine what God sees within you. And that's just me looking at you and not even thinking of doing it with God. Like, He wants to be the supernatural in your world. He wants to get you to step out in that place where you trust Him, like throw the net over the side, that it's awesome. Imagine pulling in all those fish. There's a little bit of crazy that you've got to do and a little bit of I've got to put myself out there. But what a fun time pulling in all those fish. You know, God puts a call within our life and something bigger that's scarier than we think we can actually do on our own. That's the whole point. We can't do it on our own. But it brings us into a place where we're so 100% dependent upon God. And so it just brings you closer to Him. And man, when you see Him work in your life, this is awesome. It's that called life you know i just know that it's that voice that voice that called us first it's the same voice he's still calling today
He's still always speaking. He's just as loving. He's just as kind. And I want to encourage you, don't forget the things that he's spoken to. Let the dreams come flooding back. You know, get into his presence and let your spirit get youthful. Yeah. Yes, do that. You know, eventually all the disciples made it back to the beach. Peter was the first one. Well done, Peter. But they all got back to the beach and here's Jesus on the beach and uh, he's got breakfast on the go. He's got the fire going. And isn't that just like, I just think this is, it's such the epitome of Jesus is I couldn't, I'm not a fisherman and I've never done an overnight fishing trip out on a boat. But I could just feel like if I had been out on a boat all night and it had gone pretty bad, been pretty miserable, there would be nothing better than coming in to a cooked meal, a warm, cooked meal. You didn't have to go get the fire wood yourself. You didn't have to do it all. It was somebody was there on the beach with a meal ready to go. That's what the boys' night's going to be like on Thursday coming up, yeah? You know, and Jesus, he's just got the meal. And I mean, they get the amazing experience. This is awesome. This just got so much better. But then they get to come in and, and just hang out and have that fellowship with Jesus around a warm meal around a warm fire and have a warm meal. And, and it, to me, in a way, it kind of encapsulates what, what Jesus is like. That when I actually take that time to go and get away and hang out with Jesus, you know the feeling of like a warm meal after a cold night? It just feels good, doesn't it, for your soul? But it's in the same way, it's kind of like just hanging out with Jesus is like a warm meal for a cold soul. You know, uh, hanging out for, with Jesus is just like a, 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 a meal, you know, and, and it fills you and it satisfies you. And I just love that Jesus is so welcoming. They may have drifted from the task. They may have drifted from the original call. But he doesn't come harsh. But he just comes with a meal. And he just comes and shows what he's capable of again in their life if they just be obedient with him, obedient to his word. No, but this is the thing with Jesus, that you hang out with Jesus, you just spend time with Jesus, that Jesus is going to call you to do something with your life. It's just what he does. Jesus just does that. When you hang out with him, you, you just begin to get vision for your life. When you just spend time with him, you just begin to see yourself different. You begin to see the world different because he's speaking into you. Into you. you know, and that's what Jesus does. After this meal, Jesus would do just this. He would, he would go with Peter and, and he would speak into his life again and he would speak to him um, to live for a cause greater than himself. And we're going to go to John chapter 21 and have a little look at this where Jesus just, just speaks to him about living for something greater. And John chapter 21 verse 15, we're going to read if you're following. And it says that when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? 
Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Now Jesus gets one-on-one with Peter and he doesn't, you know, what are you doing out there fishing? He just speaks to the calling on his life again. He just speaks into that and says, come on, lead people, shepherd people, look after people. I've called you to be a leader. That's who you are. That's who I see you as. Come on, if you love me, come on, be who you've called, been called to be. Be that person. But Jesus also says, Peter, it is going to cost you everything. Your life, it is going to cost you this calling to walk it out and to to actually live it. It's going to cost 100% of your whole entire life. You know, and your calling, my calling, it's going to take all of our life. You know, it takes all of our life, all in, that commitment of just saying, yeah, I'm all in, I'm committed. But Jesus said to Peter, it will bring glory to God. You know, and if there's something that I want to leave as a legacy is that my life brings glory to God. That my life, when days on earth were spent, and trust me, when we look back in eternity and see the of our days on earth, man, I want to live them all in for the King. You know, but Peter, and I just felt to, I was thought about ending there, but I just, there's a little bit more here and I just, you know, Peter responds to this, this second call again, you know, from Jesus in a way that I think that a lot of the time we do respond as well. And we might not know, it might be a subconscious thing that we feel, that we say to that, that calling on our life or that dream that we have or that, that thing in our life. And we go to verse 20, it says that Peter, you know, because Jesus and Peter were walking along and they're having this conversation. Verse 20, it says that Peter turned and he saw that John was following them. And when Peter saw John, he asked Jesus, Lord, what about him? What about that guy? What about his life? And the first thing that he comes up with is an excuse. Or, or, or some sort of, but what, what about that person there? Like, how much is it going to cost him? You're telling me it's going to cost me my whole life. And, and but what about that guy over there? What's it, what's it going to cost him? Am I going to have to do more than him? Is his going to be better than mine? You know, all this stuff that, what is Peter thinking? And he enters into this, this comparison. You know, wondering about him's life and somebody else's. Am I doing better, you know, than somebody? And I just think, you know, that we can get caught within that trap of comparing our life and our calling and our, what we do with our days here on earth to other people. 
No, Jesus is awesome. He just brings it straight back, a simple response to Peter. And in verse 22, he just says, Peter, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Jesus just says, don't worry about other people. Don't worry. Get your eyes off other people. Don't worry about that. Just do what I'm calling you to do. Just do what it is that's on your life. Just do that one thing. Just do that and get your eyes off other people. Have I stirred up a little bit within you? Are you thinking about those things that you want to do with your life? Don't let the the discouragements or the disappointments or the inadequacies or the things that you feel within your life hold you back. You know, from that moment that the disciples jumped out of the boat and they ran and they, they got with Jesus, you know, we don't see them once again within the Bible fishing, out looking for fish. We see them doing the thing that they're called to. We see Peter standing up. You know, he still had mistakes that happened after. Go read in Galatians. Go read in Acts. He gets religious again. He still has mistakes, but God still uses him. And he starts to walk in the calling in his life. Now, God sees so much within you. And I so just want you to leave this place feeling encouraged and feeling, you know what? He's speaking to my 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 God, that inner man, that big man within me. I saw, I believe in you. And that's just me. I believe that you're capable of the things that God's put within you. Imagine what God believes. You know, and it's the that place of we actually do find satisfaction when we step out of that boat. We step out in that place of trusting God and just walking with God and seeing Him in our life. So we're going to worship. We're going to sing. And uh, as we do this morning, if something's spoken to you today, if something's stirred within you and you just know, hey, from this moment, I just, God, I need to get out of the boat and go after these things that you've put within me. I would love to pray with you. I would love to see you jump out of that boat. I'd love to walk with you. I'd love to be your encourage. I'd love to stand with you this morning and pray. And uh, just believe God, you know, for that. But, you know, your calling on your life and, and where you're at, it's personal. It's between you and God. No one can force you in. It's just your life you decide what you want to do with it. You know, it's between you and God. And I just sense this morning, come on, open up your ears and just listen. Let Him speak to you. You may have never heard Him speak to you or heard, felt calling on your life or whatever. I just believe if you disposition this morning and just intention, you want to hear, He'll speak to you this morning. Write it down, put it on paper, go home. Just believe God for that in your life. Amen. Why don't we stand and I'll pray. Father, I thank you.